Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Good evening, modern lovers, and welcome to Modern Love Radio. So happy to be with you right now. And if you ask anyone, what is the secret to a great relationship, what are they going to tell you? They're going to say, oh communication. Every time I ask someone what's the most important thing to learn about having a good relationship, they say communication. And then I ask, well, what about communication is important? And you know what people say? Well, you should say things like this and you should do things like this. I've never had anybody talk about what our guest is going to talk about tonight. And our guest is Jeff Lazarus, who says the most important thing is that you need to listen like a dog. Mm -hmm. Listen like a dog. So how effective are your listening skills? And how much stronger would your relationships be if you could listen like a dog? All of us know that dogs instinctively know not to interrupt us. They don't finish our sentences. They don't offer unsolicited advice or text us instead of talking to us. Uh, Go on and on and on here. Dogs are smart. And if we're smart, says our best-selling author, Jeff Lazarus, we'll strive to be more like a dog. All right. It's really important that we take everything Jeff has to have to heart. And we might even be barking and wagging our tails when we're done. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jeff, how are you? I'm doing great. Great to be on, Dr. Wade. Good, and I want people to know that you are a health science consultant with an MBA from Pepperdine University. You've taught public speaking at the university level, conducted numerous workshops on listening, presentation skills, customer engagement, and you do have a book called Listen Like a Dog, inspired by your late dog, Rami. Oh, I'm sorry you lost Rami. Okay, so let's talk about dogology. (laughs) And I'm sorry I lost Romy, too, and thank you for the nice sentiments. But, you know, I do get to smile for the rest of my life, knowing that I had my own personal listening guru, the four-legged <laughs> golden fur angel that used to lay next to me on the couch, and he used to let me say whatever I wanted to say, and it was wonderful. He didn't judge me. He didn't laugh at me that I know of. Maybe he was laughing inside, but I didn't know about it. <laughs> And, and so I had the the feeling of a weight lifted off my shoulders. If I told him I had a bad day, something I didn't like happened at work, 
or I had a bad date, he was always there to listen. And you know what? He filled the gaps that the flawed humans couldn't. Wow, I totally get that. And we all know that because dogs listen so deeply, they pick up things that human beings don't even pick up. You know, there are a lot of studies showing that dogs know before a person is going to have some kind of heart attack or episode. There's something about that deep listening that allows us to connect and even be part of the early warning system for someone else. So how do we get to listen like a dog? And before you even tell us that, I'm curious. How did you get into dogology? Am I saying it right? <laughs> so dogtology. Dogtology, is, all right. Yeah, which is wonderful. And and that's my my first book. And, you know, we got to have a little chuckle here, but one time, I was actually on a first date. Notice the theme with me already, the mm-hmm. dating thing. <laughs> and somebody that had two dogs, and, you know, she and I had a nice time, and we were leaving, and she said, by the way, what's your religion? You know, and it just hit me. I turned around, and, and with just every intent to be a jokester, I said dogtology. And it wasn't for a few years later that I realized, oh, my dog, I mean, oh, my God, <laughs> I I think I was onto something, and you know what? Dogtology is real. It's it's the belief in dog, and if you don't believe me, all you have to do is turn on the TV and try to see if three consecutive commercials without a dog is on. I don't think you can find such a thing. You have a good point. You have a good point. <laughs> so you got interested in dogtology because you noticed. The dogs were good listeners, or you noticed people felt better when they got listened to? How did you do it? Well, I realized how obsessed we all are about dogs. And anybody in the right frame of mind is going to be obsessed with dogs. Okay, the people that, <laughs> that don't love dogs, I call them duds, and that stands for doesn't understand dogtology. <laughs> and these are the people that didn't get the memo. But if you just look around and how obsessed with dogs we are and how we celebrate them outwardly, I express that in dogtology. And, and it was my way to really pay tribute to the dearly departed Romy, the four-legged best friend of my life. But during that process, I had a lot of things on my mind about communication in the personal life and in the workplace. And I started writing in Chapter 4 of Dogtology, which is called The Book of Barks. I started writing about how dogs do such a great job of listening. And I got to thinking about what works in the workplace, whether it's sales, managing somebody, or just interaction with somebody in the office. I got to thinking, we need to listen better. And there's nobody that can listen better than a dog. So were you a good listener? Did you start out being a good listener before you started having Romy train you? <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I believe that I've been a good listener. I'm not going to tell you a perfect listener. I don't think a human being is a perfect listener, all too often that is. I think that I'm a student of the game, and I do my darndest to be dog-like in my listening approach. And so I'm I'm very tough on myself, and I know when I could get better, and I know when I violate the leash laws. Take a look at now, chapter one. Now, what are one. the leash laws? Let's talk <laughs> leash laws. 
Yeah, let's talk about it. You know, you think about the leash, and the leash typically connects the human being to the dog, and we have the dog on the leash because we don't want the dog to run away. That would be tragic for us. But the leash is also for restraint, like don't go over there into those bushes, don't go here, get off that lawn, and so we're in control. But in reality, it's the human that needs a leash when it comes to listening. Because we have a lot of habits, like mm-hmm. interrupting, like one-upping. For example, the runaway train. And that's the person that you talk to that they never stop. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all know the, run- the runaway train. So what are some of the other leash law violations? Well, daydreaming is actually a big one. You know, People often will just drift off while you're talking because they're actually committing two leash laws. They're thinking about, I wonder what I should have for dinner tonight, or I really need to book that vacation. Or the second part, and this is common every day, is I'm waiting for my turn to speak. And the other person's Mm. talking, and I think my time is coming right now. Okay, I get to jump in. Right, so what that person is doing is they're already preparing for what they're going to say before they've really taken in what you've said. Absolutely. Now, what does sniffing around mean? <laughs> I think that's so Dogs fun. are doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, dogs do it, and, and, you know, dogs get to know one another right away. And, and, and here's a very fun concept. I'm so glad you brought that up. I, I have a good time with this, and I'll explain You know, dogs go up to each other right away, and they don't just ignore each other. You know, if two dogs got into an elevator, they would immediately size each other up, sniff each other out, literally. But when two human beings get into an elevator, what do they do? They look at their cell phone. They avoid eye contact. They're like, okay, how many floors to go till I can get out of here? I don't want to look at this person. Certainly, I must have missed a call. I must check my email. Hurry. And so that's what happens. And what I'm encouraging people to do is to be a little more open, to take a chance, to take a chance to connect. Now, one thing I mentioned in the book is elevator encounters that I've experienced. And one example I talk about was getting into an elevator. Another gentleman asked me, how's it going? And I said, I was doing well till my team just got blasted in a playoff game. Now I'm on life support. And I could tell that, you know, he had a chuckle, but a little nervousness about him. And he wasn't sure what to do with this. And so he got out of the elevator on the floor. I think it was his correct floor. And he said, see ya. And I thought, well, okay, I tried. But funny Uh thing, a week later, I ran into him in the same elevator, and he goes, hey, how's your team doing? I saw you had a game last night. I didn't get the score. And you know what? I thought, this guy remembered what I said You, by sniffing around, you planted a seed of connection. That is so vitally important because most people think that, well, I don't know how many people think it's actually the polite thing to do not to speak to someone But, you know, there are a lot of cultures where people actually don't do that. They acknowledge one another when you walk down the street or they say hi to you if you're in an elevator. I mean, it's only, I find, in some Western countries that people just ignore you. I've traveled all over the world and had people just go, hey, how are you, just randomly. 
and it's refreshing. So let us refresh ourselves and sniff around like dogs. So what are power paws? Well, if you think about silence, in this culture, and you just mentioned our own society here, if you said blank silence, 99% of the time somebody would say awkward silence because that's the silence we're most familiar with. And it's uncomfortable for us. And think about two people in the same room, and all of a sudden they're silent. And somebody says, what? The other person says, what? What's wrong? Well, nothing. Why? Well, you're not saying anything. (laughs) And all of a sudden you have an argument. And it's the darndest thing. But we're not comfortable with silence. And I think silence is very powerful. And I'll explain. If you frame your silence in the right way, you can gain respect, connection, information. And I'll give an example just a few hours ago. In the workplace, I was talking with somebody, and they said something that I thought was interesting and very important. And I said, you know what? I'd like to take a moment. Let me think about what it is you're saying. And there must have been about three seconds of silence. That's a long time for us in this society. One, two, three. Oh, boy, people are like, okay, what's wrong? Somebody speak, hurry. And we get nervous. But in doing so, he knew what I was up to. And I was able to take that moment and really think about what he said. If we do that for whoever it is in our life, whether it is in the workplace, whether it's a lover, think about the opportunity for true connection to come back and say, you know what, hold on a minute, I'm thinking about what you're saying because it's important. We can really make strides. We can really make a difference. And the thing I always point out to people is listening, I get it. It's not a sexy topic. People don't say, i got to get the next book on listening. When does it come out? But I'll tell you what is sexy, getting a second date. And people need to realize that they can get the second date. They can make the sale. They can have a good, long-time, trusted friend in their life if they listen. Yeah, you know, that is something that many people who are on a first date, because they're nervous, they talk, 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 talk. And one of the things I often say to singles who are part of our classes and our our true love mastermind program and the various things we do here is to right up front say, this is a first date, I'm feeling nervous, and I'm going to do my best not to let my nervousness turn me into, you know, a walkie-talkie or a chatty Cathy or, you know, the leash law violation in your book. <laughs> it's important to say it and say, I'm going to do my best here. Because once we acknowledge that we feel nervous and that we want to put the leash on, I find that that's helpful. Has that been your experience? It's very helpful. I, I think it adds context. It, it allows for better understanding, which, by the way, is the goal of listening. It's to understand. And, you know, there's something I call the commitment to listen. Hmm. We ourselves can become better listeners, and we can create better listeners. And here's an example of that. If you say to somebody, you know what, I'd like to be a good listener for you, so let me know 
if you would like me to listen and understand or if you'd like me to give you some advice. And you let the person tell you and guide you. And that's a more effective conversation. Well, I can tell you as somebody, I just have to to, to say, I have to tell you as somebody who spends my entire life helping people to establish healthy relationships, helping couples to repair bad ones, the number one thing I see people do that leads to a fight is what you just described. I'm not going to wait for you to tell me what you need. I'm just going to barge in, tell you what you should be doing or thinking or what you should have, and people giving what I call control cues as opposed to asking. I think that's a wonderful tool. It really is. I mean, asking, so simple and yet so difficult. Is that part of your so heel, sit, and stay program? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, somebody's been looking at the book. Yes, I think it's important for us like to learn. I like the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. But it's important for us to learn a sense of control. You know, we've been trained for output, everything about us. We have classes in output, training sessions for output. We're all learning how to create more and more output. In fact, going to social media, there's a terrific outlet for output. But guess what? When you go on to social media, everybody's on there saying things like, I'm chillaxing, or please say a prayer for my sick family member, or I don't feel well. And you know what? That's more evidence that people want to be heard. And think about that. But what happens is when they put that on social media, then what do we do? We give our output. (laughs) And so I think social media is terrific for a lot of things. Information, I go on there. I'm on a lot of sports pages and groups. It's a lot of fun. But I think when it comes down to true connection, real flesh and blood, making a difference, there's nothing like in-person listening. And if you can't do it in person, you can accomplish it on the phone and you just set some nice parameters, put yourself on a leash, and give the gift to somebody else, and watch what happens. It's truly a miracle. Yeah, it is a miracle. And one of the reasons that, one of the reasons we do what we do in our program is that we combine body, emotions, mind, and spirit. And one way to cultivate more of a spiritual life is to be still. I remember being in Sunday school when I was a little girl. They were trying to teach us (laughs) to sit still. My Sunday school teacher literally had us sit on our hands as a way to keep us from, you know how kids are constantly poking and moving and wiggling. We just sit on our hands, and then she would just have us repeat, peace, be still, peace, be still. And it sort of worked to begin to wrap our heads around being peaceful and listening is a way to bring that peace to another person, is it not? It really is. And if you picture the human being on the couch with a dog next to you, the human is the one that gets up, okay, goes to the bathroom, comes back, goes to the refrigerator, comes back, adjusts the TV, goes to the refrigerator, comes back. <laughs> and the dog is laying there watching, going, okay, are we good? Can we settle in again? Can we have that silent bonding experience? Yeah. Yeah. And what's amazing is 
we're always barking, right? We're on the phone. We're talking to one another. We're yelling out the window if somebody's too loud. But if a dog barks, what do we do? We get annoyed. We must stop the dog barking immediately. And if the dog doesn't stop barking, guess what? It's going to the pound. It's getting a shock collar or we're just going nuts. (laughs) But it's really us that we need to take a page out of dog's book and say, hey, you know what? Is this barking really necessary? Mm-hmm. What am I really doing here? <laughs> I think that's a question for everybody on a daily basis. I am asking, I'm sorry, I think I had accidentally muted myself. What would you say is the number one thing you would ask people to do in listening like a dog that would benefit their love lives? You know, there's so many things, but here's one we can hone in on. When it comes to our love life, we want to be attractive. We want the other person to see us in a certain light. So we try to be interesting. It's all about how we dress and how we're looking, what we have to say, all the exciting things in our lives that we've done, and we can't wait to share it with the person that we get to spend a day or an evening with. So it's all about being interesting. But I challenge and suggest don't try to be interesting. Everybody's interesting. Everybody has a story. Be interested. It's the interested person in the room that is remembered because you gave the experience of being heard to the other person, and they will remember that. They will want to be with you. They'll want to be around you, and it's a positive energy that you can give to somebody else. Hmm. And, you know, it's interesting because I think that's the third time, Jeff, that you said the word give in conjunction with listening. That you're giving something to another person when you're listening. You really are. And I don't think that we see that, again, as a society, because you made the wonderful point because I was listening like a dog. <laughs> but it, but we Put need to see up, it. <laughs> we need to see it as a gift more. And it is a gift that we can give because it's so rare. Mm. Right? How many people have that experience to say, "Wow, I just I, I was heard for an hour and it was wonderful." In fact, people pay to see a therapist for that reason. Exactly. Right? Exactly. exactly. Not just the listening, but also, you know, we need feedback and we need that reflection. You know, the the whole Rogerian school of therapy was based on what they called unconditional positive regard. And that's what dogs give us. They just love us and accept us because we're there. That's right. They do. Now, one other thing that is really important to me, and this is something when we talk about the problems that couples fall into, high-conflict couples, it's been my experience over the years, have less listening than any other type of couple. Yeah, and that's a sad fact. When you think about how arguments can escalate and then it becomes a war of words, and again, it's output versus output. And so the feeling in the room is whoever shouts the loudest can win. And that's really, really wrong 
thinking, and, and I'm not sure how often that's successful. I would imagine extremely low. And that's where people can really make strides to step back and say, I know you're upset. I am too. I'm going to put mine aside for a moment, and I'm going to listen. In fact, I'm going to understand because I don't understand. See, that's the goal of listening. We want to fix. We want to be heard, right? So therefore, yeah, but it doesn't accomplish anything by just more and more and more. You let the person know you want to understand. Yeah, in fact, you know, mediators, people who go in and mediate high-conflict situations always say the first thing they're trained to do is to listen. And the way they begin the process actually moving forward to resolution is to begin to get the other sides to listen to one another. I was talking with someone who was doing some very, very high-level international mediation, and I said to her, well, how do you approach it? She said, I listen. That's the first step. So I can figure out where they're stuck and always where the other sides are stuck is they're not listening to each other. So I can't say enough about how much I resonate with what you're teaching. I love the idea of listen like a dog because I think we can all learn to get our ears up a little better and turn those ears forward and pay attention to the other person. Now, before I let you go, you have to tell us what you mean when you say happiness is a warm pup. (laughs) And is it not? All you have to do is look at a picture of a of a dog and it's a wonderful thing but here's the thing when it comes down to it it's about being genuine and i don't recall ever hearing somebody say about a dog get him or her out of here this dog is a big phony <laughs> that dog is putting on an act <laughs> get him out of here oh that's and true about, isn't it it is and it's about being genuine it's about being real And listening, we think, is all about our ears because we have two ears. We hear through them. Well, guess what? Listening is about a whole lot more. It's about listening with your heart, being open, taking somebody in as to what they're saying and feeling it. It's also about listening with your eyes. You know, the eyes are so, so important. They're the windows to the soul, in fact. And if you want evidence, look into a dog's eyes. Talk to a dog. Tell a dog oh, about yeah. your day. Yeah, look. look <laughs> at, I mean, the intense gaze, it's amazing. It is amazing. I couldn't agree with you more. Everyone, our guest tonight is Jeff Lazarus. The book is Listen Like a Dog. He also has his number one bestseller, Dogtology. And I want to give you Jeff's website, which is, of course, listenlikeadog.com. Jeff Lazarus, it's a pleasure having you bring into focus this important, important way of being, this gift we can give one another of listening. All right, everybody, before you go, and big, huge thank you, Jeff, and I'm wagging my tail here. Thank you very much, thank you very much, thank you very much. (laughs) And next week, everyone, international best-selling author, Superstar in the world of expanding consciousness, Greg Braden will be our guest. And most of you know Greg has written a number of best-selling books. 
He has an updated version of his original bestseller. He's going to share that with us next week. And that book is all about tapping the resilience of your heart so you can get from stressed to blessed. And we all want to get there. Big, huge thank you to LeGrand Green, our brilliant producer, our equally brilliant associate producer, Cliff Dunning. And thank you to all of you modern lovers for being committed to being on a journey to true love. And yes, it's possible. And we say tonight, listening like a dog is part of it. Next week, we'll talk to Greg Braden about tapping the power of your heart to get there. All right, everyone. I love you all. Blessings. Have a great week. Bye-bye. 